Well, James chapter 2, again, a, a powerful passage. A passage that uh, as we've walked through, and again, I hope you've had the opportunity of, of spending some time this week in, in reading and looking at this passage. And if not, uh, I encourage you for next week, uh, just take some time to, uh, to read through James chapter 3 before we uh, walk through that passage next Sunday. Because it is important, I believe, that as we study God's Word, that we also are not just walking into the room and expecting some guy to get up here and, uh, and tell you what it says. What I would love for all of you to do is to take some time and read God's Word and let God speak to you before we gather together and kind of walk through it and talk about it and kind of get a more, you know, kind of a deeper understanding and maybe some clarity. It would be great for all of us to spend some time in God's Word before we come together to study God's Word. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, and so uh, right now, again, with your Bibles open to James chapter 2, there's just a, a few things today that I believe this passage is so relevant for. Uh, some issues today that we face in our nation, we face in our world. We've all seen the stories of the protest. We've seen people walking in the streets. We've seen statues being torn down. We've seen people be dishonored. We've seen people be treated badly. Uh, we have seen tragic circumstances that have taken place, not only in the past few days, but in the past few centuries in this land. And as we understand that, as we recognize that, we also have to recognize that it's not anything that is unique to the American experience. It is something that is unique to our world because it's happened in every setting and goes all the way back several thousand years when this passage was written, that today we also have the opportunity of hearing from James, the half-brother of Jesus we talked about last week, that he tells us that the same kind of things that we deal with today, they dealt with back then, and we need to figure it out, that we need to recognize what it is that God speaks to us through his word. And so in this passage, what I'm going to do is just kind of give you some thoughts and then we'll read the passage and we'll kind of, kind of break it down a little bit, spend some time kind of walking through it. And I hope that today that when we walk out of here, every single one of us will walk out of here challenged, convicted, and changed. Fair enough? So let's just dig in. And the first thing that I want to point out in this passage that I believe James in the first uh, 10 verses gives to us is this, is that everybody matters. Everyone matters. And don't you think that's an important message for today? I mean, we've seen it, we've heard it, but now we actually can dig in and recognize that God's Word says it. Everyone matters. Look what it says here, James chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Now I want to pause right there for a moment and remind you, James is writing this passage. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing this passage. James, we talked about last week, that up until after Jesus rose from the grave, did not believe that Jesus was anything more than just simply his arrogant big brother. And then now, having seen Jesus be raised from the dead, now he knew that Jesus was different. He knew that Jesus was God. And so he, he starts this passage by saying, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of glory, he uses that descriptor there to set him apart with partiality. For if there, verse two, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, now you stand over there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom? 
which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not uh, the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Now, these first 10 verses talk about partiality. It talks about how we treat some people one way and we treat other people another way. Now, James uses the context here talking about a rich man and a poor man. It's kind of the idea that if someone walked into this room and you knew that person to be someone who's powerful, that person to be someone who had a lot of wealth or a lot of status or famous or whatever it might be, we do treat those people differently, don't we? In every situation, if you're sitting in a restaurant and people walk in and sit around you. You know, you don't really pay attention to all that's going on. But, but let me ask you a question. If, uh, let's say, uh, you know, a, a, a superstar movie star actor walks in, and you've, you know, seen movies that they've been in over and over again, and they walk in and they sit down next to you, what do you do? I mean, do you sit there and just go about your meal and not pay attention? No, let's be honest, right? In today's culture, I mean, we're going to be zeroed in, dialed in. We also know this. We're also all going to have our phones trying to take pictures. We're going to try to, you know, either in a, in a secret kind of hidden way, kind of, you know, aim our phones and our cameras over and take photos without being obvious. Or, as what most of us would do, we wouldn't really care about being obvious at all. We would sit there and probably stand up and just start taking pictures and then go over and say, excuse me and wrap our arms around them and get a selfie. Let's be honest. Wouldn't we do that? That's kind of the context that James is talking about. We treat people differently. Now, what he's talking about here doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with rich and poor. It doesn't have anything to do with money or a lack of money. Here's what it has to do with. It has to do that we treat people differently based on what they have or what they do rather than recognizing them for who they are. And who they are is a person for whom Jesus died. A person for whom Jesus rose again. And yet we treat people differently. In today's culture, let's be honest, a lot of our conversations in the last few months have been about how we treat people differently based on the color of their skin. That we, in our culture, in our society, that there are people who will look at some people and give them value and look at other people and devalue them because of their circumstances or because of their skin color. And what James is writing here is it is wrong, it is wrong, period. No descriptors, no, you know, variances here, no like, yeah, but if, but if, no, there's no but ifs here. What James is saying is it is wrong that if we show partiality to anyone, if we value someone more on this side than we do on this side, then what we are doing, it very clearly says this, is that we are committing sin. Look what this passage says uh, down in verse 8 and verse 9. If you show partiality, you commit sin. Now let me just ask you a question. Can it be more clear than that? It doesn't matter what version of the Bible you're looking at right now. I'm reading from the New King James. You might be reading from some other translation. But regardless of what translation that you're reading, regardless of what you're looking at, it all says the same thing. If you treat people differently for whatever reason, if you don't give value to everyone, then you commit sin. And what does the Bible say about sin? 
It says that it's wrong. That's obvious. It says that it builds walls between us and God. That's obvious. It also allows us to get into a situation where we lose our effectiveness as followers of Christ. And so when you look at this passage and it talks about these statements, it says, going back to verse 4, you stand there, you tell them you sit here at my footstool. It's the idea basically is like we, we just kind of put people, push them to the corner, push them to the side, like, like you don't belong here. You, you don't, you're not worthy. You're not a value. You have no right to be here. Only certain people he, can be in this position, in this place. It says you've shown partial, partiality among yourselves and you have become judges with evil thoughts. Let me just tell you that if we, the church of Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ, if we allow that kind of attitude, that kind of heart to enter into the way that we treat other people, what we are doing is we are bringing evil, we are bringing sin, we are bringing uh, dishonor to God into the context of the local church. And do you think a church can be effective if we are allowing that kind of sin, that kind of, uh, of, of problem, that pain, allowing it to come into the local church? Do you think a church can be effective in that way? The answer, by the way, in case you're wondering, is absolutely not. The church loses its power. We sit here today and we wonder why the world seems to be going nuts. Have you ever wondered that? Like why the world is going nuts? I, I wonder that about two or three times a day. And I believe that today the world is going nuts because the church has not been what the church needs to be. The church should not be a, a respite or a rest from the conditions of the world. The church needs to be the rudder for the world. It needs to be what guides the world. So often what we do is we come into this room and we, we celebrate and we worship together and we expect our time together here to be a time that we are encouraged and we're grown in our faith. And then we just kind of go out into the world and just kind of deal with it until we come back together and be encouraged again. That is not what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be the rudder. It's supposed to be the sail. It's supposed to be the, the group that goes out and actually leads this culture and this world to do the right thing. And until we get to the place we recognize as this passage says, everybody matters until we get there. We're not going to be able to be that which God called us to be. When we allow ourselves uh, to be in the situation where we honor the rich and the powerful, we recognize that we only do so for the purposes of honoring and helping ourselves. But when we honor everyone, when we lift up every person, regardless of their status, what we're doing there is that we are doing so for the purposes of glorifying God. And isn't that the call that God has placed on all of our lives? So here's the deal. Number one, everyone matters. Now here's number two. It's a simple message today. You don't even need to write this down, even though you probably should. You'll be able to follow along. So number one, everyone matters. Number two, everything matters. Okay, let's read verses 11 and following. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it profit, profit my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you, the church, says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now listen, this is a passage that so often we hear that statement, faith without works is dead. Now we do not believe in a works-based salvation. This church doesn't believe in that. God's word doesn't teach it. Um, there are groups out there, there are denominations out there, there are religions out there that, that base their salvation, their value before God on what they do. We believe, according to God's Word, the Bible very clearly tells us that our salvation comes through faith. It is not of ourself. It is not of our, our, our works. It's not of our actions. It is of believing in that Jesus is God's Son, that He died and that He rose again, period. And by believing in Him, we find salvation. So let's be really clear. Make sure you understand that salvation does not come through works. It comes through faith. But James says it very clearly here. Our faith should be seen through our works. In other words, our belief in Christ should actually be seen by what we do. It should cause results. It should cause action. It should cause us to do something. Because our actions speak volumes. What we do and how we act and how we live out our faith will let the world see who Christ is because of what we do. The world can't see what we believe. The world can't look into our hearts and understand the value that we have by Christ or of Christ. The world will look at us and they will see us based on one thing and one thing alone. What do we do with our faith? In other words, that is our testimony. There are so many Christians today that have a faith that they hold dearly and they should, that they hold tightly to it. And man, they're, they're solid in their belief and their faith in Jesus Christ. But then they live their lives and never do anything that actually puts their faith into action. This passage says, what good is it? What profit is it if a guy comes in, if someone comes in, and then they're wondering how they're going to feed their families. They're wondering how they're going to take care of their kids, how they're going to keep a, a roof over their family. And they walk in and they're desperate. They need help. And we sit there as followers of Christ and say, hey, listen, God loves you. You know, God sent his son Jesus to die for you. And he died and he rose again. And that's awesome. So listen, you go ahead and, and go live your life and just be in trust. God loves you. That's awesome. And that's great. And that's true. But man, the church of Jesus Christ better be passionate and active in helping them in their needs. Because that is how we live out our faith. Vernon Brewer sitting over here. I think that's him. He's behind a mask. I'm not sure. There he is. Okay. And um, Vernon leads a ministry that's been for many years doing incredible work around the world and a ministry called World Help. And you guys know the story. He's been to places in the Middle East where it's, it's predominantly Muslim uh, countries. And they've gone in there in, in under the flag of their Christianity, under their faith, in their, in, with uh, unashamedly going in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they've gone in and they've taken care of families that are Muslim. They've taken care of families that are not believers. They've taken care of families that are anything but. And they've done it under the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result of what they've done, let me tell you what World Help has had the opportunity of doing, of ministering to and helping people who are hurting, feeding the hungry, uh, of people taking medicine in where people desperately need it, and not going in like beating people over the head with the gospel, just living out the gospel. And you know what's happened? God has used that to change the world. That's a picture of what we're talking about here. That's faith with works. And that's what God calls all of us to do. 
When we have a, a faith, when we talk about our faith in Jesus Christ, but we don't actually reach out and minister to and help others, it's kind of the, basically the idea that we say, you know, we, we care about you, but. And that's the most dangerous statement that a Christ follower can ever make. That's why this church has been so active in ministering to people. It's why we're active in helping and encouraging and reaching. It's why we're, you know, providing food where people need food, providing assistance where people need assistance. It's why uh, over the next couple of weeks we'll be gathering together school supplies to take to, to give to families that are in need. It's why we've been over the last few months, uh, our team here has been delivering food to, uh, to our, our frontline, uh, you know, first responders, police and, and medical personnel. It's why we continue to do all the things that we do. Because we want to make sure that our faith is real, but our faith is active. That our faith is a big deal in our lives, but yet our faith is something that, that drives what we do. It does matter what we do in this world today. Everything matters. Every action matters. Every word matters. And as the followers of Christ, man, we better be serious about you know, going out there and making a difference. So everyone matters. You got that one right. Number two, everything matters. And here, here's the, the, the final statement here, the, the last statement that I want to give you. And it's really easy. Again, you'll remember this. So everyone matters. Everything matters. And so here's kind of the summation statement. It all matters. It all matters. Look what it says in verse 19 through 26. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Here's the picture. Two examples here that, that James gives. One, the father of the Jewish nation, the Gentiles. A father of many, Abraham. One, a lowly, destitute, harlot, a, a prostitute who lived in Jericho. And you look at these two different people. These two different individuals from different walks of life. Had different impact, different status. People that came from a totally different background. And here's what James says. Because they allowed their faith to drive what they did, that, my friends, is the example that we need to follow. Abraham. He was willing to do the unthinkable and sacrifice his own son because of his faith in God to be obedient. Man, what a picture. What a statement. Rahab was willing to lay down her life because if she had been caught doing what she was doing, she would have been killed for protecting those who were there uh, scoping out the land, the landscape there. She would have been killed for what she did, and yet she did it anyway. Why? Because of her absolute faith in, belief in, and reverence and respect for the God of Israel. So here's the question that James poses here. So what about your faith? What about your action? Again, he makes the statement, faith without works is dead. He says it again, faith without works is dead. Our faith does not save us. Our faith saves us. Our works do not save us. But listen, our works do define us. They define who we are. 
And so we've got to recognize right up, right up front, clearly, God wants to use us to reach others. Now, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. The gospel always works. The gospel always works. But our actions are what makes it ineffective. The reason that we haven't reached the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ is not because the gospel doesn't work. It's because we're not working. It's because we're not sharing. It's because we're not telling. It's because we're not going. It's because we're not serving. It's because we're not living it out. Our faith saves us. Our works define us. The world will be changed when we can get the two in perfect alignment moving forward. 1 John 3.18, it tells us this. Let's not just love with our words. Let's love with our works. So let's just make sure that we recognize the gospel is a powerful message that we celebrate, that we love, that has changed us. So let us live our lives as a picture of the gospel so that we can reach others with that life-changing message. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the conviction that it brings because I have to be honest today, I was convicted in reading this passage this week because of the way that I have treated people, because I have not been that person who has always been exactly what I need to be in allow, allowing my faith to, to line up with how I act and what I do. And so God, I, today I just ask your forgiveness. God, I'm sorry for past mistakes and actions and sin. And I pray that you would help me, Lord, never to do that again. I pray for those in this room. I'm sure that there are people right now that are convicted, Lord, by what we've read today. And I pray that in this moment, God, that they would see the, the actions of the past that need to change. And that from this day forward, God, that they would put into action their faith and live it out in a very real way. God, I pray that that's who we would be. And so, Lord, I pray that as we take this moment, this time to, Lord, to make some decisions, to make some changes, God, speak to us, guide us, lead us, help us to be that which you've called us to be. And Lord, for that, we give you the praise. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question today. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching by television, no matter what the situation, have you allowed your faith to become stagnant because you're not working, because you're not doing, because you're not acting? And I would just challenge you today that if that's you, the Bible says it, not me, the Bible says it, we read it a moment ago, that is sin. And today you need to come to him and just simply say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. And change it today. Some of you might be sitting here watching today and you've never come to the place, you've never been there where you've actually believed that Jesus is God's son. I, I've shared it a number of times during this passage and during this sermon today. The gospel works and the gospel is just this, that God loves you, that Christ died for your sins, that he rose again the third day and that all we must do is believe in him and that we will find that salvation. If you've never done that, just ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. Say that you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, and he will save you according to Romans chapter 10. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I encourage you to do that today. Just pray with me right now. Father, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. 
And I believe that he died and that he rose again. So, Father, I ask you today, save me through your son, Jesus, and help me to live for you for the rest of my life as you give me the power to do it. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if today you're sitting in this room and you need a a time where you can make some decisions, make some changes, maybe you need to pray with someone, a spiritual need, maybe you're convicted by what we read here today. Our, Our team, our counselors are gathered right to my left, your right. After this service, they'd love to talk with you. They'll walk you over to the Pay Chapel, sit down and have a time where they could kind of walk you through the truth of what God says. If you've made the decision today to trust Him, to believe in Him, I encourage you to talk with them as well. If you're watching, and give us a call. Write to us. Email us. Let us know that you've made that decision. And allow this to be a time that changes you forever. And we'd love to share with you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because He and He alone is the only one that can save us for today and forever. to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.